0: All right, greetings once again from Fremont E Free Church. Today is a very special edition of our podcast because we are getting a two for one. So you are getting double your money's worth today. <laughs> We're going to talk about Good Friday service and Easter Sunday service. In addition to that, so we're really we're getting three for one. We got a question this week about the resurrection, so we're going to be answering that as well here at the end of the podcast. By the way, we're still taking questions for the question and answer podcast. We've got a couple. Um, we're going to address one of them that we got today because it ties specifically to the resurrection, but we've got a couple more, one about prayer, one about fasting. We would love to have some more uh that maybe we could do here in the next couple of weeks. So all Stop that to the pastors, send in your questions. Yep. St- send in your questions. That'd be great. Today our lineup is chock full though. So let let's start in Matthew twenty seven. Uh Jim, you preached on Good Friday. And right. uh, you talked about a passage that I still have quite a few questions about. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to hold those for now right? because um, I have specifically some questions about people being raised from the dead that right. I'm, I'm still chewing on. Uh, but that said, like, as you think about Matthew 27, you had, a, you, know, you had a couple of weeks to prepare for that and to chew on it. Like, what was it that was most meaningful to you? Maybe I'll share what was meaningful to me and then we can dive into some of the questions that I have. But go ahead. Why don't you share like, what, was, what was most helpful to you in preparing that sermon?
1: Yeah, you know, I think, um, boy, a couple of things that really stood out was, you know, thinking about the the curtain veil being torn, that's something that's not really new, right? That's something that we talk about a lot in the church and celebrate that a lot. And that's a, a really well known thing. But even as I was studying, I was like, help me think of this in a new way. And I read this quote from this commentary about the idea that because of that temple veil being torn into, we are now closer to God than we've ever been since Eden. Like that really hit me. Like that was a new way of thinking about, oh, wow, we, I mean, it's not Eden, but it's closer than it's ever been since Eden. And that sin made me... it's not p- Eden because sin is still present. Right, yeah. right. And we're not like, you know, the presence of God was there in the garden and we don't necessarily see it at that level. Like we will in the new heavens and new earth, right? When God does dwell with us, we will experience that fully. But like we've taken a significant step towards that direction that made me realize God is nearer than we think he is. Hmm. And I think we should remember that and not not forget that he is very near, nearer than before this moment. And to really celebrate that and, and go to that and be encouraged to come I thought was one thing. And then it just really hit me like when 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 the when the centurion says, you know, truly this was the son of God. And to know that I mean I was just kind of searching that phrase son of God and to recognize how often he was mocked for being the son of God right. in just earlier you know, um, and to see that in this moment, he recognized what everybody else was mocking just really was a stark contrast. that really just stood out to me that made me, this has really made a deep impression on me to see that how much that this impacted the centurion.
0: Right. In particular, in in verse 40 of that same chapter, um, where they say, if you are the son of God, come down from the cross. Right. In in a mocking way, they're saying, well, if you say you're and then again in verse 43, 43. Yep. He trusts in God. Let God deliver him now if he desires him. For he said, I'm the son of God. So twice, right. twice in this passage alone, uh, he's mocked for saying right. he's the son of God. And then it ends definitively with the, um, this guy, the centurion, saying, Truly, this man was the son of God. Right. Right. There's a bit of poetic beauty to that. Right.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: So did I understand correctly that the curtain of the temple was four inches thick?
1: Four inches thick.
0: I mean that kinda of blew my mind. Like uh I don't know how thick a typical curtain is. I'm guessing maybe an eighth of an inch. I don't know. Right. Like a four inch thick curtain, that's crazy. Like I don't even know how that's possible to make that or manufacture that. But like I guess what, what stuck out to me about that is just it was clearly trying to be communicated to the people there is a distance between you and God. Like and right. you are not allowed into the presence of the Holy of Holies, right? Right. You know, only the priest could go there and only once a year and, and even then. Like they they put on bells that if they died, no one's going in there to get them. They're going to drag them out. Right, tie a rope around them. Because only with blood could you come into the presence of God, and only once a year. And and all these things that, that divided the people from God, because they had to have an intercessor, right? Like... Um, the, the priest was the intercessor, and, and yet even the priest was limited. And yet that curtain is now torn because now we have access to God through Christ, and it's not right. just access once a year, but it's twenty four seven, right? That that was for some reason the four inch thick curtain really made me think about the separation between us right. and God,
1: right? And to recognize, you know, that you know not only that it was four inches, but it was thirty feet tall, torn top from bottom. There's no way you could just go up there and just you know, rip that and make that happen. No person could do that. No human, no strong man. You know, I remember those powerlifting groups that would come and tear like phone books, right? Yeah. Uh, But they're not going to tear this. Like this is impossible for a man to do. Right. God is the only one can make that possible. God is the only one that could do that work that we can never do to allow us that access again. Right.
0: I feel pretty confident I could not tear a normal curtain with my bare hands, let alone a four-inch <laughs> thick curtain that's three right. feet tall, right? Absolutely.
1: Yeah. Absolutely.
0: All right. Let's just get to it. Let's dive got into it. I questions here. So verse 52, the tombs were also were opened, and many bodies of the saints who'd fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the tombs after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. Right. All right. So what I'd like you to do maybe is you, you gave us three options. Of right. What you think there are right now. I want just for the sake of, of maybe those who weren't there on Good Friday. I think it'd be helpful for you to clarify what you think those three options are. Right. And I will say this. You never said on Friday what you thought was the best one. So right. I'm going to press you on that a little bit because I want to hear where you land, Jim. I want to hear what you think about that. Uh, And then I have a subsequent question, but let's just walk through. Like you have these people being raised from the dead. You said there are three options on Sunday. Maybe recap those first. Right. What what are those three options? Right.
1: And I do think what was difficulty because the time that I allowed, I wish I had more time to dive into this. Which I'm glad we can do this now. So.
0: for the record, like, I'm not saying that as a critique, like that you right. do that on Friday. Like I know you have time limitations. Like I think that's actually why we have this podcast to be able to dive right. into stuff like that. right so. Cause there
1: is more here to talk about for yep. sure. Yep. So there's basically three views. The The first view is that you read this and all of this happened at the death of Jesus, that the rock, the earth shook, the rocks were split. The tombs were open. Many of the bodies, saints, of falls asleep were raised. That all happened at once at the death of Jesus. Yep. Um, the other option is to say that the tomb was opened, the rocks were split, the bodies of the saints were raised and coming out of the tombs after his resurrection, they went to the holy city. So basically what is saying that all of the 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 earth shook, the rock split, um, the tombs opened, but the bodies did not raise. Until Jesus raised. So the tombs were open, but nobody came out until Jesus was resurrected. Okay. Option three is all of this happened at the resurrection, and Matthew just chose to insert it here to closely connect the two events of the resurrection and the death of Jesus. That the earthquake that is mentioned here is uh, in, in Matthew 27 is actually the same earthquake that you read at the resurrection, which is in 28 too. And behold, there was a great earthquake for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. Got it. So those are the three views. Now, here's the reason those three views are different, because the big question is, and this is what I didn't get to on Friday, is what type of resurrection did these people experience? Yep. And this is is kind of big and here's the thing nobody knows what type of resurrection these people experience and so that's why i think
0: well clarify what you mean by that like what type okay. of resurrection so
1: one resur- one idea is that these people were resurrected much like jesus raised lazarus from the dead jairus's daughter from the dead that they were risen from the dead and they have mortal bodies and they died again Later at some Just future like we point, think in time.
0: Lazarus did or Jairus' daughter did. Correct. That they were raised, but then they died. Again. Correct. Okay.
1: The other option is that they experience, and so that one can fit into the category of they were raised when Jesus died. Okay. Now, where it gets complicated is if these raised people experience the resurrection that Jesus experienced new body, new resurrected body, body. glorious resurrected body, Mm -hmm. that changes everything. Because if Jesus is the first fruits of being firstborn of the dead, they could not have raised from the dead before Jesus. Right. Because Jesus is the first fruit. He is the first one. He is the forerunner of the new resurrection. Okay. So because of that, if these people experienced... The new resurrection, then they had to have raised on Easter Sunday. Got it. And not Good Friday.
0: Yep. Okay. So, this passage of scripture has always been fascinating to me. That's, you know, and maybe, maybe there's some people on the podcast like, I don't even, you know, I don't want to talk about this. I'm not interested. I I'm personally very interested. So I want to dive right. into this. I want to, let me just recap what you said just to make sure I understand the three right. options. Okay. So option one is all of this happened at the crucifixion. Correct. Option two is everything happened at the crucifixion except for the resurrection of the bodies. Right. Option three is everything happened at the resurrection. Correct. And then your the, the theory from there about whether they're raised in a Lazarus-like form or they're raised with glorious resurrected bodies is probably tied to those. Correct. Okay. Is that a fair summary? Yep. Great. All right. So let's let's pin you down here, and I'll right. I'll tell you what I think, um, just having thought about it. But what of those three options, which do you tend to lean towards?
1: Right. You know, my my lean is probably the. Th- oh, here's the thing. I don't know what type of resurrection they experienced. I don't think the text gives enough evidence to point one way or the other. Yep. Um, we don't know because the because the big question becomes. If they did experience the new resurrection, what happened to them? Did they ascend to heaven the way Jesus ascended to heaven at the ascension? Sure. You know, the, the 40 days later, you know, that creates a whole nother ball of wax there, too.
0: By the way, this is the only place is mentioned, right? It, I, this is the only it's place that's mentioned. Is mentioned. Mark, Luke or
1: John, no. Correct? Nope. Okay. Nope. <laughs> only place. Not even at the beginning of Acts. Nothing. Yep. So I don't know what sort of resurrection they experienced. I do like the things that made the most sense to me is the idea is that third option that this all happened on resurrection Sunday, but Matthew put it here on purpose to intentionally connect the fact that you cannot separate the death from the resurrection, that these two events are so interconnected and so intertwined that you just can't. You just can't tease them out that they go hand in hand.
0: So do you think that, so you are of the one earthquake theory persuasion that the earthquake that's described in Matthew 28 is the same okay. one that's described in 27. So
1: that's the, okay. So there's the, there's the conundrum, right? Because it does say when he saw the earthquake. So at that point you would have, so that's why that theory I think has a whole option. Three has a whole because it does look like, there could have been definitely two separate earthquakes. Yeah. And so that's the thing. I don't know that they experienced the new resurrection either. So yeah, it's a, it's, it's tough because as soon as I say that I go, but yeah, there was an earthquake here that was obvious with the centurion that he saw. So there probably were two earthquakes. So that's where I kind of will, even at that point go, well, maybe it is more of an option.
0: I tend to two. hold to option two. Now, I'll admit, I did not study this as much as you did last week. But the reason I would hold to option two, first of all, in verse 53, it seems very specific to say, coming out of the tombs after his resurrection, they win the Holy See. It seems like Matthew makes it really clear that they came out of the tomb after his resurrection. So I think right. that would mean option one is... Right. I'm, unless I'm missing something there, and it's possible.
1: Well, right? yeah, because what some of the commentary said is they came out of the tombs... Right. Right. After his resurrection, they went into the holy city.
0: All right. So the the question is, what was coming after?
1: Right. So that's where you kind of hit your option one there, is that they were resurrected at his death. But I don't know what they did. They just kind of hung out at the graveyard. I don't know. They didn't go into the city until after Jesus is raised. So that is one way you can read it. Yeah, so okay. that's what's confusing about the sequence because you can read it where it says, and coming out of the tombs after his resurrection, they went to his holy city and appeared to many.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, okay, let's just say this from the start. Like, there are close-handed issues and there are really, really open-handed issues. This seems to right. me to be a really, really open-handed issue, right? Like, whether whether this happened at the crucifixion or some of it happened at the crucifixion some after the resurrection or all after the resurrection, at the end of the day, like... This is open-handed. We can have great unity in Christ and be completely divided on these issues. I right. suspect that many faithful Christians over the years have interpreted these passages in different ways so let's just say that from the start. Correct. Um, I, I tend to lean towards option two. I, I would read that as they came... They, after his resurrection, they went in the holy city, or they came out of the tombs after the resurrection, meaning that's when they're resurrected, but that the earthquake and the rock splitting ha- and the, tur- the curtain being torn in two happened at the crucifixion. Right. I could be wrong. Right. Um, and I'm not saying that I know... And again, you spend more time studying it, so if you think it's three, then that definitely gives me pause that I might be wrong on, too. Right. Um, but I, I would lean towards... To. Now, I don't know about their resurrection. That, that's an interesting story. Were they, did they die like Lazarus or did they have glorious resurrected bodies? It seems weird that they would be walking around for 40 days and glorious resurrected bodies and that's not recorded anywhere else like right so i don't know what to right. make of that but here so let's just, let's cut to the chase here what what's the point of matthew including this maybe that's the most important question to ask like why does he include this here like right. if there's so much uncertainty and there's so much like what is going on here like why does he even right. include
1: it right i do think it shows that there is still power in his death and in his resurrection and i think that's where your number 2 um option describes both of those things well you know that there was power at his death that it shook the earth, that yeah. God is saying i'm doing something in this moment, yeah, and then there's power in the resurrection that when Jesus rose, these other people rose with him as well, and so, so when
0: you say it's like it's kind of like a uh a preview of what's to come. Is that what's right. going on here? Because right. that's what it feels like is going on here. Like there's just a small foretaste of what's going to come. Like right. that there's almost like this aftershock right to use earthquake language of what happened with Jesus resurrection. That like right. it's the first the first kind of clue that okay, this is right. not just something that affected Jesus. This is gonna have wide ranging right. repercussions that we won't see completely until Jesus returns. Right. But we're gonna like God is giving us a foretaste of that by this right. that right. that's how I would take right. the and purpose of this. Like, right. and why Matthew includes it, but maybe is that what you would say? Right, yeah, that's what
1: I was trying to say on Friday was that this is a foretaste of the new resurrection, right. of the new heavens and the earth when all the saints are going to be raised from the dead and where God says, behold, I'm making all things new. I think this is just the forerunner of that, that this is the beginning workings of that final day coming about. Got it. Well, so.
0: it sounds like we solved it. Everyone has all their questions <laughs> answered glad we've it is that out. a fascinating
1: passage it and it is it is kind of cool to read like I've always loved that um even though we don't know exactly when it's going on, but it does show that that what happened on good friday resurrection sunday was was nothing like it in earth history has ever happened
0: yeah yeah I mean, and maybe that's maybe that's the main take home is that. There was something that happened at the crucifixion, at the resurrection, that was extraordinarily unique in the history of the world, and will never be repeated again. That's why there are these one and one-time things happening.
1: Right? right. Right.
0: Okay. Well, let's let's turn to Luke uh, 24 here for a little bit. So, um, 35, 36 to 53 was the passage yesterday. No, sorry, it's Tuesday. Sunday. My days are getting mixed, mixed up here. So it's Tuesday that we're recording this, Tuesday morning. So two days ago, um, Luke twenty four thirty six to 53. Uh, again, I'll just ask the question to start. What was it that stuck out to you most as you read this familiar passage? I'll maybe share mine, and then, then we'll get to the question that someone asked us this week.
1: Yeah, I loved it. I loved it at the end of there, just thinking about they worshiped him, and they, and, and they did so with great joy you know i i did like that just whole idea that this is what the this is what the effect of the resurrection should have on us right is that there should be great worship and and joyful worship of him for it and i don't know i just i love that way that book ends and just to see that there um is just i don't know that's something that i've always found to be very encouraging
0: i mean you and i were talking about this this morning like it's interesting how we were. Um, you know, I think we, there, there's something really encouraging about Easter, right? Because Absolutely. we're we're really excited and we're thankful and we're glad that Jesus rose to the dead. And and there's there's an energy on Sunday morning that's just different than any other Sunday of the year. Yep,
1: even more than Christmas, I think.
0: Yeah, but there is something a little bit discouraging about it too, right? That that this doesn't make us that excited every single Sunday or right. every single day. Like, you know, I, I shared with you that. Uh, a high school classmate of mine who I don't think is a Christian had just um, posted something on social media where they said it was Easter Sunday and just said, isn't it interesting how everybody turns religious one day a year? And, uh, you know, I think she was onto something like, you know, everybody's talking about he's risen, like, but then like, how often does that affect us 364 days of the year? Right. Like, right. So I, I do think there's something about the way this ends that like, this worship and joy shouldn't just be something that's contained to Easter Sunday. Yeah. and if if it is, then do we really understand its implications and its value? Right. right. Like I, I, I think so. I, like, I, I, I don't want to be discouraged, but at the same time, right. I think man, like Sunday is such a great day. Like, but then do we carry that forward to Monday and Tuesday and remind ourselves, no, Jesus is still alive and he's still worth
1: worshiping, right? Right. I found something very refreshing on Sunday, you know, scrolling through social media, looking at Facebook and seeing everybody talk about he is risen, happy resurrection Sunday. And it was almost like this nice little reprieve that I'm not reading everybody's political opinions on things that are going on in our country. I was like, oh, you know, hey, look, there is something else that we can talk about out here. And what made me sad was, boy, I wonder if we'll just be right back at it on on Monday, you know, that we're back to talking about, you know, whatever political issue everybody's all riled up about instead of like, wow, let's, I wish, I wish we would not lose that focus on the resurrection on Monday. Right. Like that we had on Sunday.
0: And, And to be fair, like... I'm not saying this is a critique of others. This is a critique of myself too, right? Like that, you know. I'm I'm thinking about the resurrection, and I'm I'm worshiping, and I'm filled with joy because I think about Jesus being raised from the dead. But it's easy for me on Monday to go back to and just kind of forget that, right? Um, And so, I mean, there is an element where we all have feet of clay, and we're all, you know, messed up people and. And we easily lose sight of what matters. And so I, I you know, I think it'd be easy to wring our hands and say, you know, how can we not be more serious about the resurrection? When in reality it's like, well, you know, it's hard for us because Satan is trying to distract us and we have our own sin we're dealing with and the world's trying to distract us too. But right. I don't want that to be an excuse for us to not meditate more often on the fact that Jesus rose from the dead. If Jesus rose from the dead, it's going to be okay. Whatever it is that you're going through. I saw a quote from DA Carson this week where um where he, he says something effective, you're not suffering from anything that a good resurrection can't cure. Yeah, I love that um, quote. And that one's been around for a lot of time. Right. You know, I don't know how many years ago he said that. But that, that's that's so helpful, right? Like right. whatever it is that you're going through, whatever trials you're facing, like, you know, the resurrection is going to cure that if you are in Christ. Yeah. Now if you're not in Christ, your troubles are really nothing compared to what they're going to be. Right. But the the, the resurrection should change us every day. And so um, I, you know, I don't want to be discouraged myself that like, you know, I'm all excited on Sunday and then Monday it's like back to the real world. Like, cause right. that, that is, that's part of what it means to be human. I get that. But I do want to be more intentional in focusing on his resurrection every day mm-hmm. and not like, it's interesting to me going through the book of Acts. This has been something that's been helpful for me to preach through Acts is to notice how much they talk about the resurrection. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think we right. tend to focus on the cross more Yep. Yep. and it's interesting that in Acts, like, I mean, you could check me on this, but I, I'm just going to go on a limb and say that the resurrection is probably talked about three times as much as the cross. Like, right. um, and that's well, They not don't to, ever talk about
1: the cross without the resurrection, I would assume.
0: Yeah. And that's not to diminish the importance of the cross. I'm not saying that. Right. I'm not saying let's stop talking about the cross. I'm just saying right. I, I think we need to probably be a little more biblically balanced than talking about the resurrection more right. often.
1: Well, and speaking so, of the resurrection...
0: Do you want to get to our question now? We had
1: a that's a good lead in I think uh, to your good, question good because segway, I think Jim. I think this question shows or the answer to this question shows how significant the resurrection is, right?
0: Yeah. So let me just ask the question is as, as uh in summary fashion as best I can. Uh basically the question is this. Theoretically speaking, would we still be saved if the resurrection hadn't taken place? So in other words, Would the cross have been sufficient if Jesus would have stayed? I mean, if Jesus, as we would say, took the punishment for our sins on the cross, but he didn't raise from the dead, could we still be saved without his resurrection? That's that's the question we got, and I appreciate I appreciate um, the person who asked that asking because I think it's a really important question. Um, So there are two verses that come to my mind, but I'll let you go first. So what 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 would be your response to that question?
1: I think the well, I don't think I know. The answer to that question is no. We would is not, no what we would not be saved.
0: Okay, what? Why would you say that? First
1: Corinthians fifteen.
0: Okay. Well, let me turn there, Jim. So, First Corinthians. I'm assuming you're talking about First Corinthians fifteen seventeen, because that. Well, is I would
1: start. I would start in twelve. Okay. I would say because I think he builds his case. Okay. From that.
0: Yeah. Go I ahead. I mean, Do it says me? now
1: if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection from the dead? Which is kind of the question they're asking but if there is no resurrection from the dead then christ then even not christ has been raised and if christ has not been raised then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain so that's a pretty big okay. statement right there right uh we are even found to be misrepresenting misrepresenting god because we have testified about god that he raised christ whom he did not raise If it is true that the dead are not raised, for if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is fruitful. You're still in your sins. Yeah. So there it is, right there. Yeah, your
0: faith is futile, and you're still in your sins. Right. So now I think in, in the context of 1 Corinthians there, he's arguing for the resurrection of the dead, because he's saying Correct. that if we don't raise from the dead, then that means Christ hasn't been raised from the dead. But right. then the implications he gets to that are, if Christ has not been raised from the dead, you're still in your sin. Right. So I think that speaks pretty directly to the question we got, right? Like, you're still right. in your sin if Christ has not been raised from the dead. And earlier in verse 14, it's, it's good that you backed up. If Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain, and your faith is is in vain. Right. So, let me let's follow that up. Like, well, if if Christ paid the punishment for our sins on the cross, then why was the resurrection necessary? And why right. would Paul make that argument? Right,
1: cuz the resurrection validates the cross. That's why I don't think you can separate the two out. Is to say that you have to have a resurrection because the resurrection validates the power of the cross. The power of the cross is validated by the resurrection. Because if you take out the resurrection, there is no power in the cross. Because he's just a guy that just died like anybody else died at that point. He is, you know, a lot of people say, well, Jesus just died because, you know, he was just a good moral example for us to follow, to die for your convictions that you believe in or to really show how much you, I don't know, care for people or, or whatever. Because what they've done at that point is they've taken away the resurrection. And when you take away the resurrection, you take away the power over death and over sin. It's the victory. It's the way that proves the victory that Christ did what he did because he did defeat sin in all of that. Right. And when He rose from the dead, He showed, yes, I defeated sin on the cross and I defeated death when I rose. Yeah.
0: I, I would tend to take that same line of thinking that it's His resurrection that proves the worthiness of His substitution, right? It, it, it proves that He is the Son of God, that right. He was able to conquer death once and for all as the substitute for all who would turn to Him and save in saving faith, right? Like, right. And if, if he didn't raise from the dead, then he's not who he said he is. He's not God. He's not capable of taking our eternal punishment. And, and therefore, we're stuck in our sin. So one other verse I would add to it, which is really interesting, is Romans 4.25. Um, well you know what? Let's just go back to 23. just to, I, want, I don't want to be accused of cherry picking here. Uh, verse 23, But the words that was counted to him were not written for his sake alone, but for ours also. It will be counted to us who believe in him, who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord, Now, this this is why I'm reading this. Who is delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. Right. So, again, and maybe this speaks to what you talked about earlier, that the crucifixion and the resurrection really cannot be separated. Mm -hmm. Um, So he was delivered for our trespasses. I would take that to mean delivered up for our trespasses. I would take that to mean he died on the cross. That's what I would take that to mean. And then he was raised for our justification. So... Justification is the legal declaration that you're not guilty that your sins have been taken away, um just as if I'd never sinned. you could think about justification that way right like so how is it that we're justified through the resurrection right right so again, the two can't be separated um I think for some of the reasons we've been talking about, but I would say on the testimony of both romans four twenty five and first Corinthians. 15 uh in the passage you read 12 through 17 i think we could say conclusively if jesus had not been raised from the dead then no we could not be saved because it was necessary not only that he would die on the cross but also that he would be raised from the dead right i feel pretty confident saying that on the basis of those verses right
1: Yeah. even with paul back to really quickly there to rome uh, first corinthians 15 he says in verse 19 if in all this um if in this life only We have hoped in Christ. We are of all people most to be pitied. So we we are the most to be pitied if we don't believe in the resurrection.